Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode from Public Access America. This one just happens to be on the 4th of July, Independence Day. What an amazing time to be alive in the United States. Happy Independence Day. Just some house cleaning notes while we're waiting for our friend Jeffrey to tune in. We are back recording at Inspirations Beyond Disabilities. I got the guys together, uh, Blind and NY, Dave Moore, and the baritone blurred and we're sitting around talking about all sorts of stuff and it was just kind of exciting the three of them are really kind of gamers two of them more than the other two you know me and Ezric were just kind of hanging out but it's a good time and uh soon the girls will be back and we are going to have a great time over at inspirations beyond disabilities now we're going to go to the theme song and come back with jeffrey salam alaikum everyone what starts here changes the world well i've got to admit I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think. Feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10. We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, it didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 257 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. 
but their children were saved and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. May God bless America. <laughs> Do you hear the ding-dong when you come in? No, no, I do not hear no ding-dong. I just hear this meeting is being recorded. This meeting is being recorded. Yeah, I hear that too. And in fact, because I record separate tracks for everything, it sends me a little track for just that little moment. Oh, there we go. All I know is it's a little weird when you're watching Pornhub and all of a sudden you hear, this meeting is being recorded. Wait. Yeah. That's so funny. I wondered if when I called a company like, say, Medicare, and they were like, this meeting is being recorded, does that mean I can record it because they've informed themselves that it's being recorded? Ooh, I, it, and honestly, <laughs> it depends on state law, to be to be really honest, because mm-hmm. uh, some states are one-party states where one party has to consent to being recorded, and so that's when you're like, hi, I, rec- I consent to recording myself and this phone call. Right. Boom. Other states are two-party consent, like Washington. So, you know, I have to say, yeah, I consent, and I have to get someone else to say, yeah, I consent. Okay. Um, I actually had to do a case like that where I had to make a few phone calls, and I had to record, but because I was in Washington, I have to abide by Washington laws. Hmm. So even though, like, the person that I was calling was in a one-party state because I'm in Washington, I still had to do that. And so you just have to you just have to know what your your local laws are, so that way you don't throw anything off like that. <laughs> Florida is a two consent state, so I have to get permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I you know I went to the doctor the other day, Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. So weird. I told him I was a hot dog. You know, I was yeah. like, I just I just don't feel like the best hot dog I could be. I just. I, th- I see other hot dogs and they're better than me. And he told me, well, you have food insecurity. And I was like, interesting, you know, and I wanted to start keep, I wanted to keep that in everybody's mind that there is few food secure insecurity out there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know, like hot dogs are one of those things where it's like when you're a kid and you're like, yeah, hot dogs. Yeah. Woo! And then all of a sudden, like when you actually have taste buds and you're like, yeah why am i eating this (laughs) i mean don't get me wrong like if you drown it in enough chili and cheese you know you have yourself at least a decent Mm -hmm. you know chili dog ish yeah i guess so i told my friend i was like um it tastes like meat foam like i'm not yes i'm not into meat foam for some reason (laughs) well they can't just leave you with full chunks of sphincter in your hot dog right yeah but you go to the philippines and suddenly it's in your bowl right next to the soup and rice you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so yeah happy independence day jeffrey happy independence day (laughs) today is the day in history that we actually marked our we ratified our independence from a king you know and i just wanted to say congratulations to all the republicans on like their first real annual independence day from democracy it's an exciting oh. time to be an American. You know what I mean? I love yeah. it. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's really funny because like the whole constitution, you know, is about giving, you know, a king the bird. Mm-hmm. And then everything that they did about six months ago was about trying to install somebody yeah. as a king, essentially. Um, that's not very July 4th of you. <laughs> I've really like, spent- like 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 one of the things I like to tell people, it's like, look, you know. There's a long history of shit that the government's pulled. And I mean, you probably could think of a million reasons why you should show up at the Capitol and, you know, tell the entire federal government to go fuck itself. Mm-hmm. But anybody who thinks that they were there to do that specifically, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're watching, but that's not, that's not real life. You yeah. know, every single, every single piece of testimony, every single thing that they keep finding on people's computers and phones and social media. They were there to keep Trump in power. I'm oh. sorry, but that's just, that's not very July 4th of you. Right. It's- I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't like the current guy, <laughs> but my biggest problem with Donald Trump was, is that I always thought that Donald Trump was going to try and install himself as, you know, a permanent president. Right. And, and I don't like that. It's like, I've never had that concern. Until Donald Trump. Everybody thought Obama was going to do that. I'm like, dude, have you seen how great he got over eight years? Dude wants out. <laughs> Once you get in, you want <clears throat> out. People, if you watch Donald Trump for four years, he didn't want to be president. And when he was running for re-election, there was a point where he was like, I just don't want to do this. But then he started caring again, you know, and started this. But there was a time when he was like, he had just given up. He's like, whatever. And then. He started this whole election scam thing and suddenly went full force with it, like from August all the way. And, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I remember telling people that if you looked at this like an addiction and Donald Trump was the drug, people were going to maintain on the amount of drug they were given. But when they realized it was about to run out, they would go for the major fix, you know, Mm -hmm. go for the, go for the overdose. And they did And the Capitol was just them going, Oh my God, I'm going to run out of drugs. I need to get my fix now. And they tried, you know, they, they tried and they, they, they just, this is the withdrawal period. And you can tell there's a lot less rhetoric out there. And Donald Trump is given less avenues to speak and people care less about what he says. You know? Yeah, and and you know, and and all I can think about is the number of the number of things that showed up at the Capitol, that you know clearly it wasn't about you know a federal government overreach or a federal government that had, you know, stopped serving its people. Which I mean, granted, I've I've felt that the feds have stopped serving the people for a long time. Sure, but when you show up walking through the place with confederate flags um yeah that's 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 not about you know that's not about the government tyranny when you show up and and you know you're looking when you show up and you're not looking for republicans you're looking just for democrats that's not about government tyranny like if you think about it from an analytical perspective if it was truly about government tyranny they would have been trying to get everybody. They would have been looking for Republicans and Democrats. Nobody would have been safe. Mm. But the reality is, is that most of them had lists of Democratic uh, reps and senators, and that's who they were looking for. They didn't give a shit about trying to find Republicans. So once again, it's not about 
you know, oh, the feds were out of control and they were trying to. No, no, no. They were only looking for one party. So once again, your problem is not with the authority. Your problem is with party. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's not, you know, trying to stop a tyrannical government. That's trying to install one. <laughs> that's not even knowing what you're doing, but just doing what you're told because everyone else is doing it. You know what I mean? That I don't know so, how else to explain it, but at some point right. they need to realize, wow. I mean, I would just like to hear somebody go, wow, that was crazy shit. Wow. I can't believe all the things, all the shit that happened four years ago. I, I would love to have that conversation from both sides and have both sides realize we just got, we got worked up by our sides. You know what I mean? And it was, oh, yeah. it was an intentional thing <clears throat> that for money and they got record numbers of donations just by dividing us that way, you know? Yep. And, 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 and it's still happening. I mean, the, mm-hmm. it's still happening right now, you know, as, as we see, this one's really starting to piss me off is as, as we see that the, the Delta variant of COVID right. is starting to, you know, hit the United States, you're now starting to see the scare tactics come on to the news stations again. And it's like, look, at this point, you know, we've got data that shows that, you know, at least, you know, the mRNA vaccines, uh, the Pfizer Moderna vaccines seem to be effective, mm-hmm. highly effective against the Delta variant. Right. And it looks like with, even with Johnson and Johnson, if you do a booster shot with, with the J and J get a second shot, that looks to also be highly effective against the Delta variant. And that's still in studies, right? But they are yep, saying that's still that in they, studies. they're saying that the mRNA is, is great, but the Johnson and Johnson, they want to see more information from, and I get that. Yep. I want them to always want to see more information on everything all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> as, as a data person, that's what I, that's what I want is I want, mm-hmm. I want information out there constantly. I want information out there consistently. I want information out there because, you know, one of the things that I've said before is, is that I think that part of this vaccine hesitancy that people are, are experiencing mm-hmm. is that we've got all of this data and there's just no place for people to look it up and say, ah, yes, here's all this data collected. I mean, like, you think about it, like the big scare right now has been the, you know, kids are having heart swelling because they're taking the the mRNA vaccine. And it's like, yeah, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, there's uh, kids that are uh, experiencing swelling of the heart because of the, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. But guess what? Do you want to know how many it is? There are 323 cases out of 20 million so far. 323 cases out of 20 million. So while that's a little bit higher than, you know, arguably we would like to see, Mm -hmm. there are other things that people need to take into account. Like number one, no child has died from this. Right. Number two, they treat it with ibuprofen and it resolves itself fairly quickly. So, I mean, like these scare tactics of, you know, it's yes. Is it something that people need to be on the lookout for? Absolutely. Has it killed anybody yet? No. Is there a way to treat it? Yes. And it's like, stop, just like stop looking at the scare information and then just stopping there. You have to dig in information can be scary. And especially when you just don't have a whole lot of information to begin with, mm-hmm. 
But as you start to dig into this information, it's like, okay, yes, it is, it is absolutely something to be concerned about. You, I mean, anytime you take something, you're, you always have to be you always have to be on the lookout. It's not that it's not that the vaccines that we've had as children weren't, you know, on, you know, 100% safe. They absolutely weren't. It's just that we've known that the risks, uh, the, the benefits outweigh the risks of t- not taking the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with, uh, with that, you know, it's just one of those things where, Yes, you you absolutely need to keep an eye on things and you just need to have as much information available as possible. And it's to me, it's on the government to make sure that that information is out there and available for people to be on the lookout for. I think the difference between and when you take that and look at it through the political lens, we were looking at it through it. It was Democrats wanted to overwhelm us with information and statistics, and the Trump administration basically wanted to squash all of the information, then put out what they thought wouldn't scare us. And and then so when we discovered this, we were freaked out because there was suddenly something that we didn't know existed, whereas Democrats can say, yes, but now we have 7 billion sample sizes, you know, to choose from. And so I think mm-hmm. that's the difference. So. I think having more information is better, but yeah, I think, I don't think people are really trained to dig through the information and see it like a cake. Like if you look at a cake, you see the top, you know, the two people getting married and it's like the headline and you're like, okay, you know, it's a bridal, you know, you know, it's a wedding cake. But when you dig down further, you're going to find out that what the frosting tastes like and dig down further, you're going to find out that the layers are different flavors. And so you have to, look at news like like information like that Mm -hmm. you know the headline is just telling you what the topic is but digging down deeper you're going to find out like that poll that we we looked at and it said 79 percent of republicans yeah but it was a 2000 person sample size so don't get your panties in a bunch over what 2079 percent of 2000 people said in a country of 330 million you know right and and that's just it is is that it's like where where does that 2000 reside does it reside in mississippi only right exactly you're gonna get some you're gonna get some interesting information out of mississippi Mm mm-hmm but if it's you know two thousand people spread across the country, okay, you might have a little bit more to extrapolate with. Right, Is but it only that's the just... people that didn't push silence unknown callers because I don't get poll. I don't get polled, but I also don't answer my calls. You know what I mean? Right, and and every once in a while I do get polled, and and um, it just you know, I I as as somebody who's been through the information realm. I really hate the questions that pollsters ask because they're often, they're often complex questions and no matter how you answer it, it's going to skew towards whatever, whoever's paying them. Exactly. And, and that's the problem is, you know, like my personal favorite was I wanted to, I think it was like two years, it was two years into Trump's presidency. And and the question was, is do you approve of president Donald Trump's uh, white house stay? And I'm like, no, and then, and then you could hear like the, like the surprise when I said no, <laughs> and they're like, "But he's been fighting for our gun rights," and I'm like, "Okay, well, is the question do I approve of his handling of gun rights or do I approve of his presidency overall?" Because if I, if the question is, you know, do I approve of his presidency overall, the answer is no. Right. If I approve, if if the question is, do I approve of his handling of gun rights? 
the answer at that time would have also been no, mm-hmm. because, you know, the fact of the matter was, is that that time he was in the process of banning bump stocks. And so, you know, it's, it wasn't something that, you know, necessarily like if you're, if you're going to say that you're pro 2A and you're going to look at, you know, shall not be infringed, you know, he was absolutely a president that infringed. And surprisingly, everybody was like, no, 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 that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Wait. Because he said there were it. a few people, there were, there were a few people that were like, no, this doesn't make sense. What part of shall not be infringed? Do you not understand? Right. But everybody, but there were so many people who were just like, no, 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 it's cool. It's no, I totally get it. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. What? Mm. Now to me, it's like, should it, should they be banned? No. Should they require a class three permit? Yes. I don't know. You have a belief before somebody tells you what to think, and then you'll know whether to think it or not. You know what I mean? I just think vessels get filled with whatever, whoever's filling it. I don't believe that Donald Trump walked into the White House with one single policy. I think he walked in with a group of people that had an agenda. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's fine. Republicans all have an agenda, and they're working towards that. That's fine. But I don't think Donald Trump is the man. I think he was surrounded with people that I think knew how to tailor the situation. And they let him loose. And he never made a situation better. Never followed the plan that everyone else was following. And that, you know, that says he was a president. And that's that's what you see, like, in in the first two years of his presidency, Mm -hmm. you could tell who was in charge of the decision making. In the first two years of his presidency, he had the people around him making the decisions, and the economy started to boom because of it. Like, let's not mince things here. Right, right. People, the people around him made some great economic decisions. But then what happened is the classic megalomaniac in that Trump thought it was just him making all of this happen. Right. Trump was like a very bad version of Hitler. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Because like Hitler had all the best generals around him and had, you know, I mean, from every historian's perspective, had Hitler just let his generals run the war, things would have been very different. Right. But suddenly he wanted to build a 10 foot wide train, which had to reroute all of the fucking trains and you had to rebuild all of the tracks. And he, he had these dumbass ideas. That was Hitler. Like he wanted, he wanted Moscow to fall, but he didn't want to take the caucuses that had all of the oil that would have allowed his machine to fucking go and do the things that he wanted to do. Exactly. Like literally, literally stopped. And instead of taking, taking the caucuses, like he, like the, his generals wanted to, because mm-hmm. it's a strategic move. It's like, no, I want Stalingrad. And then, you know, they just got bogged down. Now, in, in, in Trump's case, because, because it's, you know, I'm not saying he's Hitler at all. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that. There's a great movie enemy at the gates. That's about that. About, Mm -hmm. and I, I, everybody should go watch that anyway. Yes. Enemy at the gates is a fantastic movie, but like what happened with Trump was, is that the people that were around him were making huge economic decisions and those economic decisions paid off huge. Right. Cause you started to see the economy just ramp up real quickly after years of stagnant growth. Mm-hmm. And that very much was on, you know, on, on Trump's people making those decisions. But then Trump decided that, you know, at some point he was the one that was actually, you know, the brains behind the operation. And that's when you start to see the trade war 
right. take off. And that's when you start to see, you know, uh, picking fights with our allies. And that's when you start to see all of these really like dumb decisions that just absolutely flatline that growth that we were experiencing. I truly believe it, he started taking, I'm, I don't want it. This sounds like such a conspiracy thing. I just think he started taking more calls from Vladimir Putin and started, he started doing more things that Vladimir Putin would, would have liked seen done. And I just don't think Vladimir Putin was as well-versed in democracy as he thinks he is. And so he was giving bad advice. And then, because I think he lost a lot of people, Trump did. And that's the downward spiral of it, you know? That's Well, and that's just it. Is, that's when you start to see his presidency just become an absolute revolving door. Right. Like, people are in and people are out. I mean, you've got people that come in, they're in there for, like, maybe six months, and then they're out. Or, like, you know, Scaramucci, who was there for, what, 10 days and then 10 was days, out? Yeah. yeah. And he's like, made a those... living off of it now. He's made a living off of it now. I mean, hey, kudos. I guess. I mean, I could only stand Trump for 10 days by my book. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's just the insanity of it is, is that, you know, when you had good people and those good people were making good decisions and recommendations, not on everything, but like at least economically speaking, right. because wh whether or not, uh, whether or not some people want to admit it is, is that after some of the tax uh, implications were relieved uh, after some of the bureaucratic red tape was, was axed, you actually saw a lot of companies just say we're raising our wages to $15 an hour. Mm, agreed. And I mean, it, it's not like, you know, as much as I would wish that they would have done that sooner, it's just that from a tax perspective, companies went, okay, yeah, we've now, we don't have as much that we have to pay out in taxes. So it makes sense that we can raise our employees rates to $15 an hour. And to me, like that makes sense. Like, as much as I would like to see, you know, the federal, the feds raise the minimum wage by creating policy that makes it far, uh, far more gainful to pay people, mm -hmm. it worked out. So you saw, you saw places that, you know, nor notoriously aren't exactly the best places to work for. But now that they were paying $15 an hour, people were like, okay i can tolerate this comcast was my favorite example comcast you know raised their minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour to start comcast hasn't exactly been the greatest place to work for historically speaking but at 15 bucks an hour you probably have some people that are way more willing to tolerate it especially when that's a starting wage and i i like right what, what i like about that is that it's a policy that grows in the community and then becomes policy at a federal level which is how i wish everything happened i'm tired mm -hmm. of people expecting the federal government to make a law that that governors everything we do when i don't think they need to you know what i mean i think communities can regulate themselves and when a good regulation comes into one community another community replicates it until it's the united states and then the government says okay we're gonna ratify that as something we all do you know Mm -hmm. I'm just tired of the government saying, okay, now stop this. And we all have to just jump to the right or jump to the left. You know, we're building a pipeline. We hate pipelines. Oh, we love, you know, German pipelines. <laughs> right. So it's, it's just one of those things like, 
the more the more that the more that you create policy that allows companies to open up and do those things, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be. Like you think about it, what would have happened if if the feds had mandated a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage? Do you think that that would have happened overnight? It would look more like Washington, where it's taken I want to say something like six years to get to fifteen dollars an hour as the minimum wage. Right. And that that's only for federal workers and maybe yep. contractors. That that's not that's not the people at Wendy's. You know what I mean? That doesn't say the people at Wendy's have to do it. It just says that the government's doing it now. Well, I mean, and that's yes and no. So like most states, you know, most states put their minimum wage just above the federal minimum wage. So like for example, um, I want to say that you know this was one of my favorites. This is that at the time federal minimum wage was seven dollars and twenty five cents, and I went to do a college work study program. And so uh, when I applied for it, um, you know my my pay was going to be seven dollars and twenty five cents because you know the state and the federal minimum wage were the same. Montana then raised its minimum wage to eight dollars an hour, and so I got to make eight dollars an hour. Um, you know, as a, as a work study student. So it was like, okay, that's, you know, not great, but you know, considering it was part time and most of it was me getting paid to study, um, and occasionally having to do some things, it worked out really nicely. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like in other places, you know, you have the federal, so like, for example, restaurant workers are one of my favorites to go back to because some states have some really wacky fucking laws regarding restaurant workers. So like, you know, federal minimum wage is $7.25 an hour, but r- restaurant workers, you'll get paid $2.15 an hour in, I wanted to say it was Kansas. And then you were, you know, what most people thought was, is that, you know, you were expected to get a bunch of tips and that would bring you up to $7.25. But what most employers didn't realize is, is that is if they didn't make an average of $7.25 an hour with their tips included, it was incumbent upon them. They had to pay, make up the difference to get to $7.25. And so you saw a bunch of lawsuits about that. And to me, that's one of those things that's like, that's that's a terrible decision and you you know when you're like well how am i supposed to keep anybody you know how am i supposed to afford an employee it's like dude i don't know how you keep anybody period at this point right and and when you look at a lot of those people who are complaining their business is a revolving door like the cost of having to get somebody up to speed get them trained and have to deal with your customer base and then they're finally like you know what this sucks them out I'm going to go somewhere else where they actually pay me 7.25 and right. I get tips. It's like it's no wonder you know you struggled. Yep. I remember like getting I a job at 7.25 and like working there 3 months and saying this just isn't worth it and they were like well here's your insurance and I was like okay and 3 months later I was like this isn't worth it and they were like well here's your 6 month raise and I'm like okay and a year later I was like this isn't worth it and they just kept giving me money. Like you know, every time I would say that, they'd be like, here's another dollar fifty, here's another dollar fifty. And then eventually I was making eighteen dollars an hour and I was like, This is worth it. You know, I like my job now. So I think I think that's all it's just a leveling of the situation in the demographic and economy that you're working with, you know. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I mean? Right. And, and that's the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, business, some, you know, businesses who recognize that it pays to pay good employees to keep them around, you know, they have lower attrition rates, they have greater happiness, and especially like in small companies where, you know, you, you, you know who your boss is and mm-hmm. you get to, you get to speak with them one-to-one and, and interact with them. And you feel like you're actually a part of the company and not just a worker bee. Right. You know, it's, it's, but then also too, you've got those small companies where it's like, I do as I say, not as I do and blah, 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 blah. blah. That's all just a mess. Yeah. Point is, is we've gotten really far away from, you know, when it came down to economic policies, people making good policy decisions benefited the, the economy and companies paid more because those policies that were created allowed them to pay more. Uh Now, one of the things that we have to talk about in this whole situation is when you create policies that allow companies to pay more in, you know, employee wages, there's also going to be, you know, some employee payroll tax that got, you know, decreased. But when you're paying more wages, I theoretically, it should work out. But That also, you know, you look at what that corporate, uh, when you look at what that corporate tax is going to look like, you know, the number of companies that just straight up don't pay any taxes is absolutely crazy Uh, because they figured, they figured out every single possible tax break possible, you know, that they can take. And so I got to talking with a couple of friends and I said, you know, what if, you know, we have a corporate, a flat corporate tax rate. Wait, they used every tax break offered. They mm -hmm. didn't sneak in and well. In some no. cases, they changed laws to create loopholes. But what I'm saying right. is, yeah, they didn't go in there and like no, they they used things. You know they, what I mean? They used everything that was available to them, and yeah. and that's the thing is, is that you know that's where it's really frustrating because if you think mm-hmm. that a small company can afford to do that, the answer is absolutely not. Right, but language is vague, and people can use that to their advantage every time, and that's what law is. Law is a series mm-hmm. of words that create a language, but that's what it is. So I asked, so I asked a couple of friends of mine on the, on the right side of the spectrum and, and said, you know, what if, what if we had a flat tax rate 
and you know for corporations 10% 15% whatever it is 12% mm-hmm. and you're and and from a corporation standpoint your choice is you know this is your corporate tax rate this is what you're going to pay in taxes or this is what you donate to any number of nonprofit organizations that are doing work locally nationally whatever you know basically the work that the feds claim that they're doing but you know let's let's be realistic that's not happening i wonder how many corporations would be like okay it makes more sense to donate to projects around where i live you know like for example you know amazon has said that they're going to donate a bunch of money to uh affordable housing in several locations okay so the question is is you know what what would it be more effective if you had a corporate tax rate but then you know basically your option was hey you pay this corporate tax rate or you donate to a whole bunch of nonprofits around your you know that you want to donate to i have and, an issue i have an issue with corporate charity only because then the corporations determine which charities get the help and that a lot of times is just based on like those focus groups we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. and sometimes charities get left behind when they're not like but in, but in now like but now what if what if if it was community based i like this idea though but here's the thing is is that i think that from a corporate perspective or from any perspective like that i think that there's absolutely an opportunity where where companies like amazon and google and facebook could sit down and say hey you know we have a bunch of money that we can give out to charity employees where would you like to see that money go and provide them that. a list of, and let them let them vote internally it's like hey i want to see money go towards affordable housing hey i want to see money go into the food bank system yeah. hey i want to see money go into you know behavioral health and substance abuse programs hey i want to mm. i honestly think that corporations would have a greater success with that and i think that p i think in terms of trying to get money to the services that you need allowing your employees to be able to decide where that money goes mm-hmm. absolutely makes more sense like if you were just to let the ceo pick and choose where things were going to go oh god that would be a fucking disaster and i would fully expect every employee of those companies to be absolutely angry about it yeah but now if you have i mean let's face it you know google forms is the quickest way to be like hey where do you want to see your money go provide a list write in an answer right you know and you know you know say hey whatever makes the top 10 you know and then from there based on the percentages that's where our money's going is there going to be an option for a raise (laughs) well i mean or lower my lower my health care cost i'm just kind of curious if you said hey we're going to donate all this money to charity or we could give it to you in the form of incentives which one would you prefer and i wonder how many people would be if you give it to people into the in the form of incentives then it's taxable there you go. But they pay That's, taxes. So if they're already not paying taxes as it is, I mean, unfortunately, like they're not going to pick that option. They're not going to pick that option. It couldn't be an option because then you can't give the employee. That would be separate. You'd, right. You're, either you're paying taxes or you're donating it to charity. Where do you want it to go? So I right. That. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and so that's just it is, is that, you know, fundamentally you could see organizations pop up and say, Hey, we're a community health option and yeah. have, you know, have your company be able to vote for, Hey, let's get some nationwide community health options open. I would love that. 
you know, because I like, don't get me wrong. I think that there's time and a place for feds to collect money for, for, for things that are absolutely needed and necessary. Mm-hmm. But let's be realistic when it comes to corporations and large corporations, that money's not going fucking anywhere. They're writing that down to zero. Right. And you're not getting any tax money out of it. At least if they have any accountants that are worth a shit. So instead of allowing this to happen, why not just make it a flat tax rate, but then say, Hey, if you want to pay zero taxes, you know, and make your employees happy. So that way they feel that, you know, your company is actually working with the community. Yes. Here is a number of, you know, donate to any of these nonprofits. I mean, you could literally do anything, you know, have people establish nonprofits for anything from road construction to right. affordable housing to community health care options to, you know, food insecurity issues. To I mean, you could literally gut run the gamut with it. Yeah. Can you imagine just if you offered to buy a bag of asphalt for anybody that wanted a bag of asphalt? So they could just go patch holes in their neighborhood instead of trying to call somebody that's going to come by and do it once there's enough potholes to make it worth it. Or have, you know, or have a nonprofit organization that has all the equipment and and then, you know, the city can say, Hey, here's a list of areas that, you know, you know, don't need like, you know, massive infrastructure overhauls, Mm -hmm. but Hey, just some we need some fixing done around here. Right. You know, that, that they get the list of that information. And then, you know, that goes to a nonprofit, the nonprofit who gets the money from the corporation goes out and fixes the roads. If you want to, if you want my honest opinion, like that's that bridge of how do you get Amazon to pay for the infrastructure that they're using when they're not paying any taxes. I love this. I love that. So to me, like that seems like a, a potential option that at least has tangible benefits mm-hmm. because the current system is not doing that. And the current system isn't going to do that until they start from scratch and either just say, here's a flat corporate tax rate. This is what you're going to pay. Or here's a flat corporate tax rate, or here is, you know, here is your out to donate to organizations around your community because this cap on charitable giving that currently exists is absolutely fucking stupid. Yeah. If you have a you have a cap on charitable giving and you have a way of not paying taxes, like that is absolutely asinine when you think about it. Why 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 is it that you can't give to more organizations or give more money to organizations that, you know, align with what your company or what your employees want to see happen? Why is there a cap taking- on that? If you're going to be taking money out of a community and profits, you should be able to put the money back in, in charity, if you want. Absolutely. And especially if you're paying zero taxes as it is, mm-hmm. like that just absolutely sucks because it's like, now it's like, now are you not, now you're not only paying taxes, but you can literally just give enough money away, just enough money away that it's barely, you know, barely touching anything that you really want it to. Right. But by but by doing this flat corporate tax and by giving employees the ability to say, hey, this is where I want my money to go. Books for books for school children, mm-hmm. technology for school children. Hey, you know, if if you're if your state or county are doing a 
uh, public utility district to get better internet access to, you know, the, the community. Great. Let's throw money there. Whatever it happens to be. Yes. Funding, funding employees who want to start a charitable organization. I think that and guess, so and cool. guess what that does. And, <laughs> exactly. And guess what that does. So instead of sending the money to the feds who then take a cut and then take a cut and then take a cut and then take right. a cut until finally you get it down to this very small, you know, little piece of, Oh yeah, we're going to pay for like, you know, a hundred and, you know, a hundred miles of fiber optic service, uh, mm -hmm. you know, middle of nowhere, you could now potentially spend, you know, money to create thousands of miles of fiber optic, you know, because it'll just go directly to an organization and that money can then just go straight into them being able to get this stuff done. Like, yeah. The communities that need it will install it when they need it, which is now. Right. And exactly. so, Community funding of it just means their their community will be set up, which will create a micro structure as well as a micro structure that's attached hey, to the larger infrastructure. Hey, Jason. Yeah. You know what something like this could fund, right? What's that? Three D gardens. Yeah. gardens. I love that. But before we get too far, I just want to say, I had a thought while we were we were talking. You know, machines cost money to to maintain and mm -hmm. so do employees and mm -hmm. so machines can't take over. you're not going to get a cost benefit analysis of a machine over a human because a, a human generally maintains itself you just have to pay it to do that whereas yep. you need an a, a human to maintain and there's costs to the main maintenance of a machine so mm -hmm. in, there's an incentive to treat employees better to mm -hmm. to build on them to upgrade them to help them be better employees and i love this idea of one taking that and making an employee an advocate in their community and then sourcing the money that way because you're exactly right now the government isn't involved you know mm -hmm. and it goes and along with my stop feeding the bear and stop donating to <clears throat> politics and let them realize that if we had our money and decided where to spend it, as opposed to giving it that to them to tell us where we should spend it, we'd all be better off. Right. And and that's the thing is, is that, you know, you, you ask yourself how many of these questions could be solved? You know, how many of these local questions could be solved if companies had the ability to say, you know what, there's a number of charitable organizations around here that are doing things that enhance my employees' lives. Mm -hmm. Why Why shouldn't I just donate directly to them, you know, tell the feds to go fuck themselves? And my employees are going to be happier because these services that they're, that they're wanting and needing, maybe not just for themselves, but, you know, for their community at large. Yeah. Now they're seeing the positive effects of that. Yes. Yeah. And it begins with stop thinking that daddy Trump or daddy biden is going to going to be the fix for everything no we, we've started treating them like rock stars so that they, we could give them our money but they're, they're not fucking rock assholes <laughs> not rock stars i should never really know who a politician is because that means they did something wrong you know what i mean and mm -hmm. they're never going to defund themselves with things like what we're talking about and that's the no. that's the problem of whoever reg whoever creates laws for antitrust isn't going to create those laws on and on and upon itself but hr1 right. goes a long way to taking money out of our elections dark money and i'm all in favor of that and i think we should mm -hmm. take the take a part in that. You know what I mean? 
you know, and to me, like this seems like a very decent option in, in being it. able to solve a lot of community problems. Could you imagine, you know, the amount of money that Google could potentially end up paying in corporate taxes, but could you imagine the amount of money that would actually go into fixing problems like affordable housing, mm -hmm. like food insecurity, like health, uh, community health, mm -hmm. like you think about all of those things that could potentially happen. And and that's the thing is like, not all of that money is going to be like shipped into, you know, one city or one state because, you know, they've got campuses around the world and people yeah. are going to be able to sit down, you know, maybe there's, maybe you, what you do is you split it and 75% of the money that you could pay goes towards uh, what em uh, employees of the company want. 25% goes towards what consumers want. Yeah. I would love and give that. people the chance to create these incredible national nonprofits that are able to serve some of these things like affordable housing, like food insecurity, like mm -hmm. education, like health, community health. And, and I mean, like it just maybe it's idealistic of me, but it seems like a better option than getting zero tax money out of these companies to do zero things. Well, when I think about a charity, I think that a charity works for what it's supposed to work for until it starts beginning to work to feed itself. And mm -hmm. sometimes a charity gets so big that administrative costs go up and the oh, amount of charitable dollars goes down by nature. But what you're saying is that more local involvement means more individual charities, which will lower the cost and make the money more there's less administrative costs when a when a, a pair of pair of friends goes to tackle uh no shoes for the homeless right because right. the <clears throat> money goes straight from the corporation to them now they have say fifty thousand dollars what they're going to take two thousand dollars to accomplish the goal that they want to do and they're going to give shoes forty eight thousand dollars worth of shoes to the homeless in their area and then if everybody's doing things like that that homeless person suddenly going to get a new jacket and new shoes and an education and, and more possibilities and there's going to be less administrative costs overall or they're going to be spread out in a way to where they're nominal, you know? And, and, and the other thing you have to keep in mind there too, is, is that that money is also going directly back into the community. So <laughs> all of that money that, you know, has not been taken by the feds at so many different levels is now actually being spent within the community. So now you might have, you know, a nonprofit that, you know, is buying shoes and getting them to the homeless. But now that company that is, <clears throat> selling those shoes maybe they're a local supplier right you know, you know now that company is able to say hire a couple more people because hey they've got an increased demand they yeah. got to get somebody who's going to get these shoes you know wrapped up and out the door to you know wherever they're they need to go mm -hmm. or you know maybe what ends up happening is that you have a community health option available to you you know, in a in a time where finding good doctors is is a bit harder, now you have another option available to you where it's like, hey, another urgent care, another you know, another medical facility that has doctors on staff. Right. You know, where you know you're you relieve some of that pressure of trying to find good doctors. There are there's good doctors out there. Oh, absolutely. COVID broke a lot of them. But Absolutely. I would love, I would love it if like a doctor could be a home doctor for his mm -hmm. neighborhood. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I know, 
my friend has a, a doctor in your area and COVID just broke him. He retired, but now he's looking for some just urgent care work because it's not emergency room work, which is what he's used to, but he still wants to serve his community. It would be nice if he could do that from home and, and get money to do that, you know, or, or even just, you know, be able to be able to have, you know, a nonprofit organization of mobile doctors that can make house calls yeah. like they used to do back in the day, because we do have a problem with, you know, people that have mobility issues, be it, be it being blind, be it, you know, other disabilities, like yeah. being unable to walk, having a lack of access to public transportation, having mobile doctors would go a long way towards improving the health of those people. But imagine like if a doctor was his own business and like you said, he has to pay taxes or be, uh, be a charity. And what if he could, his charity was helping people pro bono in his community, the people closest to him in a certain radius and say a five mile radius of his home. If he mm -hmm. did those people for free and he could get a, uh, no taxes for that and, you know, yeah. and still, still earn money by being a doctor, but part of his time, mm -hmm. like, like lawyers pro bono, you know? And that's just it is, is that I think that there's, it, it increases the level of possibility out there yeah. of, of ways that you can get to the community at large, mm -hmm. you know, because here's the thing is, is that, you know, maybe that's a nonprofit organization that, you know, has national reach and able to put that money into local communities because, Hey, that's something that, you know, people are going to have, doctors are going to need to figure out, Hey, how do I get a cut of that money? Yeah. And as a contract person, as a data person, <clears throat> one doctor going, Hey, Google, give me some of that money. So that way I can serve my local community. Isn't going to work as well as a national uh, nonprofit saying, Hey, Google, give me some of this money. So that way I can then spread it out to all of these doctors that will be able to uh, work within their community. I like that. Because, because ultimately, I mean, you're going to have to have a way to make this stretch out into multiple communities mm -hmm. and by having one national nonprofit that people are going to be able to donate to and have doctors that want to do that work in this pool. It makes more sense to do it that way than to have just one community doctor. So. That's so crazy. You dragged me, you dragged me so down to a community level, but I was thinking house to house and then boom, back to national. You exploded my brain there. <laughs> because there's a way to do it. Yeah. You got, there's a way to do it. You just have to do it smart. <clears throat> and build it at a community level and then Absolutely. Expand from, and expand from there with everything. Yeah. Absolutely. If it's a bad idea, it's not going to work, right? It's just going to peter out and die like the pet rock. But if it's a great idea, it's going to stay like the ACA, you know? You know, and that's just <laughs> it is, is that you starting these, starting these conversations somewhere. And, and like mm -hmm. I said, you know, maybe, maybe the answer isn't, you know, you know, Hey, Tallahassee or Hey, Pensacola, I I'm going to build a 3d garden right here. Right. Maybe it's, Hey, national 3d garden nonprofit. Mm -hmm. I want to build a three, I want to build a 3d garden in this city because we have a food desert here. People donate to, you know, national 3d garden nonprofit. And then from there, you know, they go, okay, cool. We're going to spend money into this community first yeah. or these communities to get this rolling. And then everybody just gets a piece of that as it branches out. And as people are able to build this and as people are able to mm -hmm. work it, you know, because ideally a lot of these things are going to become self-sustaining. Right. You know, 
this 3D garden thing, I have to get credit, give credit where credit is due. It's something you had thought about before I brought it up to you. But I heard about it from a lady named Jerry Say from Tallahassee. And mm-hmm. what it was a contest, <clears throat> uh, architecture contest at mm-hmm. the college. And so, um, some kid created this great idea for a 3D garden. And I, mm-hmm. I visualized it ever since, and I really loved the idea. So, yeah, I think it starts by funding architect, architectural ideas and bringing the designs to it, um, engineering. It could really start in, at a college level to create a concept, you know, because you have all of the minds and resources right there to <clears throat> develop a theory of what mm-hmm. could happen. And then... And then you take bids on that. And if people want to renovate, you know, you go from there and then you take the step of finding people that will renovate it. And then you make a TV show instead of flipping old houses, it's flipping to 3D gardens. Flipping old buildings into 3D gardens. Yes. Right. And because I know I shared with you, I have this dream of like a circle of garden around a community. You know what I mean? And like in in St. Louis, that's what they were working on. I didn't, we're going to get more into that as I, as I get more information and reach out to more people about that. But I love mm-hmm. the community garden aspect of we're going to pay you to turn that parking lot into a garden. And that garden is going to serve the community that's in it. And the community is mm-hmm. going to decide what's grown in that. And mm-hmm. I, love, I love these ideas of bringing nature back into communities as, as the community needs, not as the government's regulates and allows you know right and that's just it is is that you know turning these things into local community nonprofits that are able to serve populations is mm-hmm. you know it's 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 time to give people who want to give back to their community an alleyway to make that happen yeah. and and i think that this is going to be the best like there are so many people out there that could be business owners they just don't have the ability to get the kind of capital that they need mm-hmm. but if you have a great idea to be able to start the nonprofit to help those people get that started and have organizations yeah. that are donating to those causes then by all means you're going to be able to make this happen that's right i love these <clears throat> ideas i love the 3d garden idea I just, I really do. And I want to work on that because I was making a joke earlier about food insecurity to bring up the topic that I don't think people understand. You know, I think, I think they, they have food in their pantry and that they, they just don't have the food they want. And mm-hmm. they think that's food insecurity. And it, I think they think it's nominal. Like you, you can get food when you're hungry. You're just going to get fed. Like who goes without food? And it's true that so many people do around the world, but not, not only that people, you know, like they're not talking to you about it. They're starving. They're going without to pay bills, you know, and somebody said it about the middle classes during COVID they paid their bills on time, but they struggled and they went without. And now they're, they feel like they're being ignored. I don't Mm -hmm. think that's necessarily true with this tax child tax credit and everything Biden is attempting to do for the middle class. I think they're the ones being rewarded over, over the rich and over the poor. Well, and, and, and to be perfectly honest, I think the child tax credit thing is a real bad decision. A lot of people don't like it. Well, here's the thing is, is that the child tax credit thing is no different than last year when Trump said, Hey, you know, we're going to suspend the payroll tax and then you can collect that. Oh, but by the way, you're going to have to pay it back next year. 
this is no different. That payroll, the, this tax credit that you're getting now, mm-hmm. if if you don't pay enough taxes in that tax credit that you normally got that helped you either get to zero or close to zero or got you a refund. Now I think it is going to end up the same way. It's going to cost people money at the end of it. And I think it's a terrible decision. I think that what's going to end up happening is that there's going to be a bunch of people who desperately need the money who are going to collect that tax credit, but then come tax season, they're going to find out that they haven't paid enough in taxes in, and then they're going to be on the hook for a federal tax bill that they don't got the money for. Yeah, that actually happened in the Trump yep. administration. Um, this is this is just the Biden. This right is now. just that this is just Biden's version of that. It's no different. It's a terrible. It was a terrible idea when Trump did it with the payroll tax. It's yeah. a terrible idea when Biden's doing it with the child credit act because you're not getting that written off. You're gonna have to. You know, yeah, that you normally would get that tax credit. But mm-hmm. here's the thing is, is that normally that tax credit that you relied on to make sure that you didn't pay taxes at the end of the year. Right. You're probably going to have to pay taxes at the end of the year because you took that tax credit now. And that's what sucks is, is that people are going to be so excited to get that money. And then come come April 15th, 2022, there are going to be a lot of people freaking out that they're going to have a tax bill to pay. Or the refund is $3,000 less than they thought. Yeah. Yeah. That's even worse. People that depend on a consistent refund and then you manipulate the tax system like this. The tax system is just screwed. You know, it's just, it's Mm -hmm. just so screwed. It's like a tangled mess of hair. Sometimes you just got to shave it down. You know what I mean? Like you said, I think the simplest way to fix it is, is that, you know, you figure out what the poverty line is and then there is no taxes paid through the poverty line. And then whatever you're going to pay, whatever after comes after that, it's, you know, 10, 12, 15%, whatever it happens to be at 12, I think is what they wanted to do. Right. You know, or hmm. so to me, that makes more sense. And then, you know, basically every year you adjust the poverty line to where it makes sense. If, you know, if, if 31,000 a year doesn't make sense for that to be the poverty line, then it becomes 35,000 to be the poverty line. You know, you have to, you, you're going to have to adjust it as you see fit, as you need to. I got to bring somebody in that, that, that knows how to talk poverty line. Cause now I just glaze over. Cause I think of that 200% minus the 1% plus $20. And oh, I'm, like, I'm like, I can't, I might just glaze over. I'm like, until somebody can explain it to me, like Ziggy, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's those calculations are absolutely fucking bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not equipped and it just makes me feel like everybody else feels about general news. Like that's my level of, I don't want to understand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. and, and the drooling idiot going, Trump. <laughs> well, and that's and that's where it's like you know, for most people, like you can't fucking understand that because it's you know, it's like, yeah. well, where did you get this calculation to begin with? Where did this even come from? Right. So, I was looking at for news, and then I was like, uh, I had to look at the source to see how slanted the news was going to be. You know, which way the right. news was going to slant oh, before I brought it up. Um, I'm going to, is Debbie going to join us? I don't think so. I think, okay. I think Debbie is, is quite crashed out and deservedly. So that is so beautiful because I have so many topics. Can I, can I take a hard right right now and ask you, oh, something? let's take a hard, right? Let's go for it. How does it feel to be in this, uh, Western Pacific heat bubble? 
Um, well, when it was uh, a few days ago, when we had hit three straight days of a hundred plus degree weather, it sucked mm-hmm. ass. Right. Like it was, it was hot, but you know, for me personally, it wasn't terrible because I've got central air okay. and the ability to pay my electric bills. So I wasn't uncomfortable. I just wasn't going outside. Come to find out my 90 year old neighbors next door didn't have air conditioning and they were apparently miserable. I'm like, they were like, Oh yeah, we could hear your AC going and we were absolutely miserable. I was like, wow, you could have, you could have come over and knocked at my door. Like, you know, I don't need you guys to feel like, like you can't get cooled off. Like you can absolutely come over. I mean, the dog's going to be an asshole, but yeah, but that's neighbor. That's community involvement. I talked to Adam about that. Like instead of getting mad at your neighbor, that's crazy yelling across the street, go and listen to him. I mean, see what he's, see what he's actually yelling about. You know what I mean? Right. But that the, my point was, yeah, the region seems to be ill-equipped like Texas for heat. You know what I mean? Like Texas was ill-equipped for snow. I'm just wondering, that's the way the news is beginning to spin it is that it's, uh, we everything handled actually up here quite quite well. I mean, like we have the infrastructure, okay. um, you know. So and and the infrastructure is fairly solid. Like our biggest problem in terms of things going out is usually you know we get when we get wind and ice storms in the winter. Hmm. You know that that will usually take down some power lines, but it does that in but, the Midwest too, right? Right. You know, so like there's only so much you can do and and we live in an earthquake zone. So like you kind of have that weird, like, do you put it underground? Do you leave it above ground? You know, it's because there's not really a great answer either way. Uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Tesla's idea of just shoving it into the ground and having us access it from there. Sounds great. And Jeffrey, you're also in a wildfire season. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. The wildfire season in the Western U S begins today. <laughs> kind of like the hurricane season begins for you guys here shortly. Yes. Bring on the apocalypse. Now is the time. Yeah. Like, so last year, uh, we had some really nasty wildfires that we had some of the worst air quality in the world here in Olympia mm-hmm. for a short time last year. I had to, I had gotten a fan, uh, like a, just a normal air filter strapped it to a box fan. And for four days, I ran that fan nonstop, just pulling air through. So that way I could filter some of it out and have yep. cleaner air in the house. It was the most gnarly looking thing I had ever seen ever. It was disgusting. It was incredible how much smoke particulate was being pulled out of the air. Hmm. So I decided to go early and, and get myself a few uh, fan, uh, some filters for uh, box fans. Uh, yeah. So that way, when that happens again this year, I can just bungee strap on, you know, those filters and just let those run. Right. You know, I mean, at least have clean air and at and least the, Exxon the is making a profit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, they're, they're, they're not just making a profit. They're making sure that they uh, fund things against climate science. Oops. They said the quiet part out loud. Oh my God. He said the quiet part out loud. I'm just kind of curious as to, um, is this the new normal? Do you think 118 in the Pacific Northwest is this? I mean, 118 in Siberia, so I'm not right. going to see why it wouldn't be a new normal. Seattle had, Canada, right? Seattle only had three days of 100 degree plus weather in its entire recorded history. And then they just had three right in a row. So right. 
Yeah, I think that unfortunately this is going to become the new normal. Yeah. For a I while. Think, I think of a boiling pot. And if you ever watch a boiling pot, there's that bubble that begins on the bottom and then bubbles up, right? And I mm-hmm. think right now you're in one of those bubbles. I think the earth is about to boil and you're just in one of those bubbles now to put it in visually. I like to put things visually for people because we're the frog in that boiling pot. You know what I mean? Mm, Frog soup. Mm, Frog legs. Tiny little wonders. (laughs) Yeah. Except I've never eaten frog and I'm good without eating frog. So, Right. Uh, You know, what goes goes along with that is this... Man, I I saw pictures of it and I didn't believe it. And it's under control now and capped and everything. But apparently, a Mexican company created a fire <laughs> in the Gulf of Mexico. I just wanted to let everybody know. Yeah, the pictures are out there. The visuals are horrible, but it is capped off. And they had fire crews there putting the fire out, and they had crews uh, closing the valves and everything. It isn't continuing. It's it's all been rectified. But wow, the imagery was just horrible. You know? Oh, that was. I mean, that was a spectacular, and I had to laugh because, you know, I saw everything from some some you know super serious you know, you know, this is how we destroy the earth to you know capitalism is you know (laughs) spraying ocean water on top of a fire in the ocean and uh two great dank memes like you know one it's like ah look the perfect representation of my butthole after i eat taco bell (laughs) so i mean like it was it's all over the place i thought to myself i really wish i could get like a mexican pizza from taco bell and then i thought isn't that too Fried tostadas with like uh, refried beans and enchilada sauce and olives and cheddar cheese. I was like, essentially, couldn't, couldn't I basically just make that easier than like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich sometimes? <laughs> easier? No. But could you make it? Yes. Could I make it easier? Sometimes easier. So here's a good one. I love this one because we were talking about COVID and I want to keep it in the news because the Delta variant is out there and over 200 people a day are dying in the United States with 13,000 cases a day. But I'm going to take this across the world and say, hey, there is a bright side to COVID and it is that Kim Jong-un is sounding the alarm that North Korea, their, their quarantines have broken down. Like they can't contain it. It's going to be ravaging their land anytime soon. So I, I know how you feel about Kim Jong-un and COVID. So I wanted to bring that up because I thought that's a juicy Ooh. topic, you know? Oh, okay. So where should we start with this? Because I've, as a data person, I've got a lot of data for you because I've Boom. been studying this for, for a hot minute. Nice. Because, uh, you know, the big question has been, are the vaccines going to work against the Delta variant? I'm sorry. And... Thank you for listening to Public Access America. We'll be right back Thursday. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy. Hard as life. Ask not 
Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live streams Sunday on live YouTube. Streams. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Stitcher, Stitcher Smart, Smart Radio, 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 Radio Public. And Spotify. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Public Access public America. Access history America. in the making. Making history in the making. Hey, we're back with Public Access America. I'm sorry, I cut Jeffrey off in the middle of a topic purposely so that you would have to come back this Thursday and listen. And now you're here, so let's get started. Yeah, man, you just totally left him with the COVID you know, COVID data blue balls on that last episode. Know, right? Like, we're going to talk about COVID, okay? And you're going to have to wait until Thursday, fuckers. Right. Or you could listen to the live stream every Sunday and hear it within its entirety, and that's how content works. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.